Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we continue our studies in living with certainty or learning how to trust. This is Shara Betochen. We are in the fourth chapter. This is the 25th segment of the fourth chapter. And incredibly, it is the 99th consecutive video if you start from the introduction. Now, we have learned about loneliness, how to deal with that debilitating condition. Rabbeinu Bahaya provided a, a very full strategy highlighting the virtues of that situation and how a person, by trusting in Hashem, would be able to cope. Now, we move into a paradigm shift. Family guy. What about the person who is blessed? Blessed with a loving spouse? Or maybe not. Blessed with loving children? Or perhaps not. I don't mean no spouse or no children. I mean maybe their relationship isn't punctuated with love and sensitivity. Maybe they don't feel close. Maybe a person has a lot of good friends. Maybe he or she doesn't have such good friends, insincere friends. And invariably, included in the collection of people who comprise our social circle or network, there will be people that we really don't like. And possibly people who really don't like us. Is there a betochen way to deal with this? That is to say, we've learned that if a person doesn't have his or her needs met materially, be it in the arena of parnassah, prosperity, or perhaps health, security, safety, you trust in Hashem. You know with certainty that Hashem is going to provide for you. Imagine a person would have a loved one who is deathly ill. And the biggest doctor in the world, Nobel laureate, shows up and says, all the other doctors are giving up hope. But I believe, I believe we can affect healing. How do most people react to that? They feel good. They said, okay, if this doctor, this incredible man or woman who has golden hands, who has this x-ray vision intuition if they say there's hope now I feel hopeful now I'm relaxed and yet that person is but a human being regardless of how good his or her track record is they have or can make a mistake and they certainly can't always deliver but Hashem he can always deliver and this is in a word, something that we've described at great length at the outset of our studies of Shara Betochen, essentially, 
each and every one of us is best off placing his or her trust in Hashem. And we learned that that actually can bring about blessing in health, a livelihood, in providing us with the security or the sense of inner tranquility that we might need. The question, though, is how about when there are other people involved? Simply stated, I can control my actions. I can't control yours. I can't control what my social circle will choose to do. And yes, I will be impacted by those decisions. Must I therefore treat people a certain way? Is there a wrong way to engage, to interact, or to experience relationships? How does the Baal HaBetochen deal with family, friends, adversaries, and peers, the social network? If you're following along in the Kihat book, you probably want to open out a page 154 as we begin to delve into the application of bitachin, full, absolute trust in Hashem when it comes to living with family, friends, and perhaps those who aren't. I should add one more thing. When we talk about a social network, we're not talking about people I am ambivalent towards. That is to say, my family is always going to be my family. And as such, my reactions will be visceral, powerful, or profound. I'm sure I've shared this before, but many years ago I was dealing with a very difficult woman and she had difficulty with just about everybody in her life. And she spoke of her children with venom, cursing them. It was terrible. And I finally said to her, if your children are so bad, why do you even give them any attention? Divorce them. You divorced your husband. Divorce your children. And then you'll be at peace. And she looked at me dumbfounded. And she said, but, but they're my children. I can't divorce children. I'm always going to care about my children. I said, okay, you said it first. Then relax. Relationship is a term that is used to describe the way we engage with or relate to others and that which is around us. Having no relationship, it means I'm ambivalent. I could care less. I have nothing to do with those people or that individual. The person that you have strong feelings of animosity for, towards, the person whom you feel as your adversary, is part of your social network. Rabbeinu Bachaya is going to roll all of this into one. Quite interestingly. 
He talks about friends, family, and foe alike. Because there are certain essential principles, foundational ideals, that all relationship must be built upon. Relationship that's positive and edifying, relationship that's negative and debilitating. It's all relationship. And in order for us to be successful at it, and in order for us to find that inner peace and tranquility, to live with a sense of certainty, we must learn to trust. And with that, And so, if this person who trusts Hashem, the person will call the Baal HaBetochen, the master of trust. If he is a Baal Isha, now, it's not unusual for Sfarim, for holy books that were written a thousand years ago, to be addressed to a man rather than to a woman. But in no way should one think that the ideas or ideals of the Shara Batochen apply to one gender. Having said that, Rabbeinu Bechaya here is speaking somewhat specifically to a man because he speaks about obligations. And the obligations of a man towards his wife and a woman towards her husband are actually not one and the same. So you have to kind of extrapolate and understand how this might, might, this might apply to you, assuming you're not a male. But I'm going to speak about it in the language that we have. So if this person is a Baal Isha, this is a person who has a wife. He doesn't say he loves or doesn't love his wife. He just says he has a wife. Because the, the emotional level of connection is not what is going to define what we're about to speak about. This is about responsibility. We have responsibilities. Judaism believes in responsibilities. I said this before and I'm going to say it again and again and again. We live in a society that obsesses with rights. My rights, your rights, our rights. Can my rights override somebody else's rights? Does my right, for example, to speak freely, allow me to cut into somebody else's right to live a life of liberty? Most people would think not. How about if my words will be offensive or hurtful? Is it my right? I, for one, have never found a discussion of rights in the Torah. What I find is a discussion and instructions regarding responsibilities. The Torah doesn't say it's my right not to be offended, my right not to be hurt, my right not to be spoken to in a manner that is injurious. The Torah says it's my responsibility not to use words injurious. It's my sacred duty to Hashem not to offend, shame, or denigrate people. Rabbeinu B'chaya will build his structure on the foundation of responsibility. If the person's a Bala Isha, if the person has Kroivim, the person has relatives, here the B'chara B'tochen does not differentiate between 
children, siblings, parents, cousins, or distant relatives. He says it's all part of family. So you have a spouse. A spouse is not just part of family. A husband and a wife are considered in Torah and Halacha to be a single unit. Sometimes the husband does things for his wife. Sometimes the wife does things for her husband. But in Halacha, as a rule, we have husband and wife seen as a single unit. Parents and children are not a single unit. Small children are the responsibility of the parents. And then children grow up and they assume responsibility for themselves. We have responsibilities towards our parents. We are not one and the same as our parents. So Baal Ha'isha, this is the one relative that Rabbeinu Bechaya highlights in a separate class of its own, a spouse. If a person has a spouse, a person has within his, or really her, social network, even relatives, then there are people who are not related to me, familiarly, but I have a relationship with them that is punctuated by what he calls love. Oyhavin. There are many layers or dimensions of love. The people you love very much and people you kind of have an affection or even an affinity for. Broadly speaking, it's all within your circle of connection because love is a connecting force. People you connect with. People you're drawn towards. Love is a force of attraction. And then there's oivin. The oiv, the person who is an adversary or literally an enemy. That's a person with whom there is the opposite of a force of attraction. You know, when you put two things that have a magnetic pull between them, you put them close, they immediately will come together. But if you have magnetic poles that don't jibe, the, the closer you'll put them, the more of a force you'll feel pushing them apart. There are people you're ambivalent to. You don't care to sit next to them or not. It's, it's irrelevant. And then there are people you can't stand. Let's be frank about this. People you feel to have loathing towards you or you have loathing towards them. And maybe a little bit of both. But they're part of your social network. They, they're, they're separate, distinct, taken out of the broad, amorphous, if you will, population. They're specific. That's the person I don't like. Don't sit me next to them. So how do you deal with that? What if a person has done bad things to you? What if you think a person might have baleful intent? These are important questions to answer. You know, people say that if, if you obsess over your dislike for somebody, you're allowing them to live rent-free inside your head. Many would counter that's true, but what am I supposed to do? I really don't like this person. I'm really hurt. I'm really offended. I'm really angry. What's the betochen approach? So the first thing Rabbeinu Bechayah says 
is yivtach be'eloikim mehem. The first thing he says, trust in God in order to be spared from becoming something. He doesn't fill in the blanks. It's being spared or saved from them. The first thing is to be saved from them. So the Toiv Halavanan, he puts it this way. He says, you notice that when we spoke about the lonely person, there were no enemies mentioned. We said the person who is lonely, he has no spouse, he has no relatives, he has no friends, he's alone. How about enemies? How come only enemies, enemies only shows up in the social network? How come we don't see this poor person doesn't even have any enemies? How sad is that? You know, there's a ridiculous story they tell about a rabbi who got up and he spoke about the pitfalls of harboring a grudge in your heart and how terrible it was. And he said that it's something everybody's guilty of. He said, I'll wager there isn't a single member in this congregation who doesn't have enemies. I'm so sure, he says, in fact, if anybody here doesn't have enemies, let them stand up and say so. And one elderly woman rose in the woman's section and she said, I don't have any enemies. The rabbi said, I am duly impressed. That's quite remarkable. Perhaps you should share with us all, how is it you don't have any enemies? And she simply said, I outlived them all. So maybe she was very alone, this person. She didn't even have enemies. The person says, anybody fight with me at least? Doesn't anybody care? Something? So the Teva Levonin says, Kan hoisif oivim. Here the Shara Betochen elected to add the concept of adversaries. He didn't mention this earlier. When he talked about the person who is estranged, alone and isolated, who's nachri obeyed. And he says that's because kachu benog, this is the way it is in our world. Shahabaydid, the, the alone, the person who is lonely or gare is a stranger or estranged. They don't have any enemies. They don't have. They don't have nothing to do with anybody. And he says, you know, when a person has a spouse or has children, a person has a social network and they have friends, invariably they have lots of dealings. And some of those relationships might go south. And some of those dealings in one way, shape, or form, will result in an adversarial sense towards somebody else. And he says it's most likely that the misyaldimal of these things are birthed into his reality, mitzad hakina, out of jealousy. Or maybe it's because of other people who are jealous of his relationships or what he has. Or maybe they somehow get in the way of your other relationships. Like somebody might not like a certain person because that person vies for his attention. Like um, imagine a person who might be upset that his or her spouse has a close relationship with their parents and he feels that's cutting into their relationship. I've heard of things like this. So he says lonely people 
I have no enemies, by and large. But he says when we're talking about a social network, talk about people you're close with, invariably it'll result in people that you feel adversarial towards as well. So he says, you have this situation. You trust in God. Trust in God that He will save you. He will spare you from them. It's a strange thing to say. Spare you from your spouse? Or save you from your children? Like, what does this mean? So the Neder Bakoidish does something very unusual. He says, I want to tell you that Rabbeinu Bechaya is talking about the enemies. He starts off with the enemies. He ends with enemies when he lists the various segments that comprise your social circle. And then he begins to tell you how to deal with your enemies first. There's Isha, Kroivim, Oyhavim. There's spouse, relatives, friends, peers. And then there's enemies. He says, the first thing you got to know is that this is Musavala Oivim. This refers to the enemies. People who don't like you. They're adversarial towards you. They're out to get you. What are you going to do? Who are you going to call? He says, trust in Hashem. That doesn't mean turn the cheek. We always are required and expected to do what we can to defend ourselves. But when you start to think, what if this person will do A or B or C? If there's a punch thrown your way, block it. But what if this person will try to undermine me? Trust in Hashem. If Hashem doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. And if Hashem does, it will. People do not have control over your life, regardless of what they think. Only Hashem controls your life. And therefore... And then Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, V'yishtadel lifroya mashachayv lahem. You should make efforts and do your best to discharge your obligations towards them. So here the Nedeb HaKadosh says, obligations to your enemies? Now I have obligations to my enemies? He says, no, no, this is referring to the spouse, the relatives, and the friends. Now, I have to tell you, it's a funny read. The, it, it is a read, and the Neda Bakredish was a great man, far greater than I, so it's a read. And that's the way he reads it. He reads the words, he says, the first thing is, don't worry about your enemies trying to get you, God will save you, God will protect you. Obviously, if you can do something, that's another story. But don't let him create anxiety within you. And try to do or discharge your obligation towards your friends, family, and spouse. So having said this, there is a totally different read of this. Most of the Mepharshim do not understand the words of Rabbeinu Bechaya in this fashion at all. But before I go on to the different take on how we could read these words of the Shara B'Tochen, I want to answer a, a, a basic question, which we're going to talk about later as well. If somebody is out to get me, or if somebody did something bad to me, shouldn't, shouldn't I be aware of it? Shouldn't I be doing my part? 
Why would Rabbeinu Chayyim say, Yiftach belikim b'hatzilosim Be certain. Trust in God. He'll save you. How does that work? Just going to check if we have any questions here. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of, of people doing something, something bad to me. The Rambam, in Hilchas Tshuva, this is in the fifth chapter, he says a basic principle of our Jewish faith is that God does not decree that a person be good or bad. This is Halacha Dalet. If Hashem would decree about a person that he or she should be tzaddik or rasha, righteous or wicked, or if there's something which is moshech es ha'adam, something which pulls the person, magnetically pulls the person in a way that they can't control. It doesn't mean you can't have a predisposition, a predereliction. Then it means something which is not possible for you to control. How could God say to us, do tshuva, improve your ways, embrace the path of Torah? In fact, Rambam says, What place is there for Torah altogether if people don't have the freedom to choose? There are many people who take exception to this. They believe that certain behavior which the Torah identifies as immoral is something innate. And that would make them bad people inherently, and that's not fair. Well, they're right. You can't be a bad person inherently. However, it's so important for us to understand that if a person has cravings and desires, it doesn't make him bad. Cravings and desires are well, cravings and desires. What should you do with them? Bury them. What do you mean? It's, it's who I am. Many years ago, I met a man who wasn't married. And it didn't seem to, to make sense because he was extremely gregarious and well-to-do. had a great social network. I said to him, didn't you ever think about settling down? He said, no, it's not for me. I said, why? He said, if I got married, I'd be cheating on the way from the chuppah to the yichud room. He says, I got eyes that look at everybody. I lust and crave everybody. I have affairs wherever and whenever I can. He's telling me this very proudly. He says, it wouldn't be fair. How could I do that to a woman? How could I marry her and pledge loyalty and, and say I'm going to be in a monogamous relationship. I know I'm not. I don't, I'm not prepared to be in a monogamous relationship. I want to have all kinds of relationships. I act out, he says. So the truth is it's not even such a healthy kind of reality. And This is a, today a, a diagnosed medical condition. But I simply said to him that you must know that having a craving, and he said to me, I'm, I'm very bad, eh? I'm a, 
I'm a licentious womanizer, terrible. He said, no, you're not, you're not terrible at all. I said, you're, only, you're, 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 ba you're bad when you behave badly. I said, cravings and desires? Crush them. Ah, oh, Ken, why would I crush my desires? Because Hashem tells you to, that's why. Because Hashem told you that you should crush your desires and focus exclusively and live monogamously. That's what Hashem wants in His Torah. Desires don't make a person bad. Cravings don't make a person bad. Acting on those desires and cravings if they are in violation of the Torah. That is the problem with the issue. Very important point. Without this, the whole Torah is actually moot and has no place. Eze din, eze mishpat. How could there ever be any kind of judgment? How could there ever be any kind of, if you will, punishment? Based on what? person has no control. How could there be any recompense? How could Hashem pay back at tzaddik? So you have to have freedom of choice. But of course, this puts us in a very strange position. If I have the freedom to choose, if Hashem gives me the freedom to choose, does that mean that I have the right to abuse others? Does it mean that I have the right to change the lives of others and inflict harm or pain? Am I God or in control of other people's lives? So the Rambam says something absolutely incredible. He says, does this mean... Does this mean that a person's in control? How is it possible that a person is in control? That he alone is the arbiter or decisor. How could it be that something should happen in this world that God doesn't allow to happen? Maybe God's Powerless. He legislated control of his world. No, King David says otherwise. In Psalm 135 it says, Whatever God wants, that's what's happening in heaven and the earth. And he says a shocking thing. You should know Everything will happen in the world exactly as God ordained it to happen. Even though our actions are in our hands. <laughs> what does that mean? If our actions are in our hands, so it's not happening exactly as God wants it to happen. So this is a, an extremely deep and profound theological conundrum or issue. It's, truth be told, this is not really the place for it. That this is, this is a, a subject in and of itself. But I'm going to share with you just a snippet of an edited talk from the Rebbe, which is found in the fifth volume of Lekut HaSichas. This is a very famous talk on Parshas Lech Lecha, where the Rebbe talks about the concept of Avram Avinu's journeys, including the Vayered Avram Mitzrayma. Avram goes down into Egypt, and there's a dispute amongst our sages if he made the right choice or the wrong choice, and, and, and how, do we, how do we relate to this? And the Rebbe says, you must know that although Maise HaChet the action of sin, gufa, the action of sin itself, is does zikher heipech ratzon God doesn't want you to sin, ever. God doesn't want you to be rebellious against Him. Then it wouldn't be called rebellious if God wanted it. 
ist aber der Matze von Jeride im Welt und in Menschen. The lowering of divine presence of goodness that takes place in this world and within people. Was wird geschaffen durch ein Chet, which is essentially achieved, although that's a lousy word to use for a sin. That which is engendered by virtue of sin. So this can't be It can't be against the will of God. In other words, we have this very, very fine line. A splitting of hairs theologically between the action taken, the person who takes the action, and the action in and of itself. The person who takes an action which violates the Torah is doing the wrong thing. He or she will have to answer for it. What was engendered or caused by this action, in the end, that's within the purview of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So everything that happens to me is going to happen anyway. And this is similar, says the Rebbe, to what's written in the Holy Epistles of the Alter Rebbe, the Igris Kedush, in Simen Chafei, in chapter 25, that he says, even though the mazik, even though the person who causes damages is a balbachira, is a person who has the freedom and makes the wrong choice, ala nizik kvar nigzer The damages, not the damager, the damages that was so to speak, decreed from a higher place. So, somebody smacked me, and I was hurt, and shamed, and embarrassed. I was intended to be hurt, shamed, and embarrassed. Should I turn my cheek? No, that's kind of stupid. Why would you do that? We don't look for hurt, shame, and embarrassment. Should I stop somebody who wants to hurt, shame, and embarrass me? Of course you should. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, I don't want to have to be anxious that maybe somebody's going to harm me. This is about living with certainty. I want to be cool, calm, collected, serene. This person just threatened me. Yivtach ba'aleikim ba'hatzalosim Rabbeinu says, you trust in Hashem. Of course you'll do what has to be done. Sure, you should block the punch. Of course you have the right to clear your name. You probably have an obligation to do so. Will you be successful? It's not any different than the things we do to earn a living. We're obligated to put our best foot forward, as we learned in great detail. That doesn't contradict trust in Hashem. It means that I know Hashem will provide for me and I have to do my part. And I know Hashem will provide for me and I'm perfectly calm, cool, and collected. I'm depending on Hashem, not my actions. I'm doing what I must do because Torah ordains that it's the right thing to do. I'm not afraid of my adversaries or enemies. They can't harm me. I will do what I can. My adversaries and enemies 
if they're choosing to do something which is sinful, they will have to deal with that. I don't mean my, yours, anybody's. They will have to answer for what they did. That's their sin, and every sin is counted. Nothing is forgotten by Hashem. The question is, did they do this to me? No. Hashem ordained it should be done. The fact that they chose to do it doesn't mean it was necessarily going to be successful. The fact that they chose to do it and they successfully hurt or shamed or embarrassed me, that was from Hashem. So I say thank you to Ben Shalom. What are you going to do now? I'm going to do my best to protect myself. I'm going to do my best to continue to promulgate what I believe is the right thing to do. And, and I have no fears and I have no worries. Well, what about your enemies? What should I worry about them for? That I put in Hashem's hands. The words of Rabbeinu B'chaya are so precise. Yivtach be'elekim. In order to achieve Hatzalasai, you want salvation, you want to be saved. For this, you rely on Hashem. Relying on Hashem doesn't mean not to do your part. Doing your part is your duty, your obligation. But it's not what I rely on. This is the beginning. This is the action. It's not how I look so much at the other person, at my adversary. This is where my reliance is placed. Not in my actions, but in Hashem. And along with that, the Rabbeinu B'chaya turns his down and he says, and what about the people that I'm responsible towards? I should be mishtabil. I should try to discharge my obligations. I should try to do my duty. Does that mean I'll succeed? That's in Hashem's hands. I have to try to do my part. Now the Toiv Halavonoin, the Marpel Nefesh, the Paslechen, they all take exception with the Nedeb HaKadosh's read. And they say that Rabbeinu B'chaya didn't start, just because he mentioned enemy at the end, he doesn't start by talking about how we deal with an enemy. Just checking if I have any pictures here. By the way, that monster who keeps posting ugly stuff over here on the, on, on the chat... I guess uh, whatever torment he's giving us was supposed to come our way so that maybe some of you should not look at the ugliness he's posting. I'm just saying. But you can't be angry. This is Hashgacha uh, Pratis. Oh, thank you, Mechabelli, for deleting that garbage. So, Give Mine Heart is saying... You have to embrace Hashem so you shouldn't really have enemies. I think there are just people who need to help understanding Hashem's wisdom of oneness. Well, Mr. Give my heart, the thing is this. I think it's a little bit um, not human to say, I don't have enemies. Or I don't have adversaries. Or I don't care what people do to me. You're going to have enemies. That's, that's the way it is. There's going to be people jealous of you. The question is not if you'll have enemies. The question is how you treat your enemies. And it's not necessarily by giving them the benefit of the doubt to the nth degree saying, ah, they probably meant to do me a favor and instead they 
shot me. But they were probably trying to give me a candy and they gave a bullet instead. You don't, they don't have to say that. You don't have to assume or give them the benefit of the doubt that they probably just don't know what they're doing. They pretty much told you they know exactly what they're doing. But you don't be afraid. And you don't try to exact vengeance. And you do what you can to protect yourself, but you don't rely on your actions. We don't get to choose our circumstances. We get to respond to our circumstances. I think this is the point I'm trying to make. But you'll see. As we, as we continue to move away through this amazing material, it'll become more clear. But let's first talk about, let's go away from the enemies for a minute. Because in the Toiv Halavanan's view, when he says, Yiftach Elikim hem, he has a very different perspective. He says, you know, we got here to talk about the family guy, the guy with a wide social circle that entails many responsibilities and obligations after we talked about the loner. The loner has no obligations or responsibilities to anybody and he's so sad and despondent that Rebbeinu Bachai said, what are you doing? God gave you a gift. You have the opportunity to focus on spiritual pursuit. No guilt, no worry, no concern. You have, it's a special gift Hashem gave you. So a person says, wow, that's a special gift. Well, who's going to save me from all my obligations? What about, what about if I want to have that pure, wholehearted, sincere, spiritual pursuit? But instead, I'm, I'm busy dealing with all these responsibilities I have now. See, I'd like to study Torah 12 hours a day. And subsist on a crust of bread. And not waste my time talking to people and engaging in responsibilities and finding out how my children are doing, doing homework with them, bathing them, or whatever it is, dealing with, with their fallout. Why can't I be like that other guy? He doesn't have any of that. He sits and learns Torah all day long. He's praying six hours a day. I have, I have all these obligations and responsibilities. I'm overwhelmed. I'm inundated. Have you had people speak like that today? And sometimes people feel that their circumstances are literally crashing down upon them. So the Toi Valavonin says, Klape, this business of Hatzalosei Mehem refers Masha'amr Lamaila, when he spoke about the silver lining of loneliness, when he talked about the person who doesn't have that burden of engagement and everyday pedestrian involvement, servicing relatives and friends. So the person says, well, what do, I, what do I do with all this? What's the answer? How am I going to deal with my pressures? How will I be able to fulfill all of my obligations? And the answer is, If you think that the obligations are greater than what you're able to provide, Trust in Hashem. You're in this situation, trust in Hashem. Many years ago, I counseled a young person who was dating. And he said to me, um, I feel that this person I'm dating is very nice. I really like this person. But I also feel that this person is very needy. It's very needy. So, so he says to me, so, but I like them. So is that a sign that I should accept this burden upon myself even though I feel I'm not really 
adept at providing those needs and just spend the rest of my life trying to provide those needs because you know because I, I like this person and I said I, I, I can't tell you to do that I mean it's your decision but if you have such clarity and you know that you don't have what it takes to provide for those needs and he wasn't like angry he said look I don't, I don't blame this person they, ha they have their needs you know she came from a, a broken home, and, and, and she didn't have uh, friends. She was like a bullied in school. She had, she had her needs. She was like, she needed her husband to fill many, many areas of, of her social life. And they were compatible otherwise. But he said, I'm, I'm, I'm a very social guy. I have a lot of friends. And I don't really, I don't really want to have that kind of exclusive, single, singular focus. I said, well, this might not be a good match for you. Now, if somebody is married... Well, it's a sign from Hashem, unless there's abuse, where it's a horrible marriage. Yes, you're going to work at this, my friend. Because preserving a marriage is one of the holiest, the most powerful, important things any one of us can ever do. But that doesn't mean you have to get into that situation. So if a person's a loner, they don't have these burdens, all right, then from Hashem, you were released you can focus on spiritual pursuit. But what if you weren't released? What if Hashem put you in that situation? Well, then you must be able to pony up. And what if I feel overwhelmed? Yiftach Hashem, he says. Trust Hashem. He'll provide what you need. It's an unusual expression to be saved. I mean, saved from, from your family, saved from your friends, saved from your social obligations. But, that, but that's, that's the language. The Marpel and Nefesh says, How are you going to be able to provide all these needs? He says, what, what, what if it's beyond you? He says, if you will do your best, but really do your best, Hashem will take care of the rest. If you're not capable of giving more of yourself, Hashem will enable them to have what they need. It won't be your burden. You did your best. And you know what? In the end, all we can ever do is our best, but we really have to give it our best. And by and large, that's rare. The Paslechen, in his signature fashion, is a little more descriptive. He says, there are burdens. There's a masa. There's, there's troubles and toil. It's a tircha. It's a burden. Can't handle it. Trust in Hashem. Have you ever met a person who says, I'm, I'm cracking up, I'm, I'm just losing it because of the obligations and responsibilities I have? I can't, I can't do it. What's the answer? What does the Bala Batachin do? The Bala Batachin says, I am only asked to do my best, so I'm going to do the best that I can with the best attitude I can muster, and I'm going to trust in Hashem. He will make the rest work. Because Hashem doesn't ask any of us to do anything we can't. And if it seems that what's being asked is beyond you, maybe it is beyond you. How will it work out? That's not a cop-out. 
That doesn't mean you're exonerated or free from the effort or toil or giving it your best. What you are free from is the anxiety that accompanies it. Don't worry. Don't lose sleep. Yivtach Bashem. And that fits so beautifully with the next part of the statement. So then you do your best. You do your best to discharge your duties, your obligations, and your responsibilities. You're trying really hard to fulfill their desires. And you're trying to do so in a manner that is wholehearted or perhaps sincere. What's required of us is sincerity. To sincerely do our best. To put our hearts into it. And when we're talking about to do our best, the Paslechem says, we speak about the obligation and responsibility pardon me that which they need if my loved ones have a need then i need to do my best to provide for that need to do what they desire and the paslechem adds something so sweet he says, it's not only what they need, it's also what they want. He says, sometimes people want a little more than they need. That's okay too. He doesn't say, allow it to consume you. A person has endless needs. He says, a little more than they need. Very few people are going to be happy with only what they need or ask or want only what they need. We all want a little more. It's okay. You should try and provide what your spouse or your children or friends need and beyond. So what if you have a child that doesn't have a friend? They're friendless. Are you supposed to become their best friend? Are you supposed to now take the place of their own peers? I don't think so. That's not reasonable. But you can be a more attentive parent. You know, every once in a while you come across something which it kind of hits you, rattles you. I probably shared this before because I think about it often. It's like this, um, this little narrative, a story of this kid who comes with a bag of money from their savings. And they, they tell the father give the bag of money and say, can, can we speak? And the father's like, what are you giving me this dimes and nickels for? And, and the little boy says, Dad, you told me that your time is money, but I really want some of your time. So I collected a lot of money and I want to buy some of your time. And like, it probably never actually happened to anybody you know, but on some level, do your children feel neglected? I recently heard about a, a young man whose father's very busy, 
He does amazing things. But the young man lamented. He said, my father doesn't even know who my teacher in school is. He doesn't even know his name. That's lamentable. The person says, I'm so busy. Yeah. But your child has a need for you to know what's up with his or her life. You, you have a responsibility towards them. You need to provide that stability. <laughs> One of my kids was going to camp. And they said, are you going to send me emails? And I said, do you want me to? And they said, yeah. And I kind of felt ashamed. And I said, okay. Okay, because I didn't do that previously. And how, how shameful is it? A child had to ask me for that? But yeah, that, that's, that's, then that's part of my responsibility, along with whatever other responsibilities I have. These are all part of our responsibilities. You can subtract from your own life. You can give of yourself. You cannot give of others. And you cannot take that which you're obligated to provide for others. And this is oftentimes challenging. Especially in my vocation where sometimes circumstances make extraordinary demands. And invariably your family pays a price. We have to try to compensate. How did they say it? Life is not simple. It isn't. But it can be immensely rewarding. Difficult, arduous, challenging? Perhaps rewarding, uplifting, transformative. It depends how you choose to view the circumstances. The Baal HaBetochen gives it his all and he does it I don't remember where I saw this, but when we talk about needs, what others need, it's not only material needs. Sometimes parents throw money at their children. They have money and they throw money. They buy them toys or whatever else it is. But what the child really needs is emotional support. That's a need. And maybe they don't need all that emotional support, but maybe they want a little more love and affection, a little more time. And we have to be mindful of that. And we have to try to give of ourselves. And the important key word here is be sincere about things. Be wholehearted. Now, Rabbeinu Bechaya, he's like, a funny thing. He says, You have to avoid, like literally, restrain your hand from causing harm. So the Neder Bechaya says, Yep, back to the enemies. You want to punch his lights out? Clench your hand. Don't do it. Don't do it. You, you can get back at them. It's not what Hashem asks. By the way, 
preventing somebody from doing something bad to you is a, is, a, is a Torah responsibility. From a Torah perspective, turning your cheek to allow your injury is wrong. Just like you're not allowed to injure yourself. That would be causing injury. If you had a way to stop the injury, you should stop it. That's not a Jewish idea. It's not a Torah value. But vengeance should not be confused with self-defense. Even though sometimes it's very hard for people to separate the two. Are you actually trying to stop somebody from doing something or are you trying to extract a pound of flesh? That's the question. Extracting vengeance is always wrong. It's not our Jewish thing. Somebody harmed you or did something to you. It was meant to be. You can prevent it. Another story. Getting back at them? Getting even? Absolutely not. You're not even allowed to bear the grudge. So therefore he says, don't try to hurt him. What should you do instead? He said, well, instead, you should seek to bring about things that will benefit them. OMG, this guy's crazy. He's going to be giving aid and assistance to his enemies to hurt him? No, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar didn't say that. He said you should try to benefit them in their service of Hashem. Here's a person who said mean, capricious things to you, but you can bring him or her closer to Hashem. You can put on tefillin with them or share Shabbat candles with them. So do it. It's hard. Oftentimes, it's a test we fail. I was once in a public place and I met a person who I consider an adversary, a person who did things to harm me personally, but he's Jewish. And I had a pair of film and I had a real tough time. You know, my, my Yetzirah said, don't talk to that guy. My Yetzirah said, it's not relevant. Whatever happened, happened. He's not trying to harm you right now. He's a Yid. My Yetzirah said, are you kidding? He'll never say yes. You make a fool out of yourself. My Yetzirah said, you do your part. Anyway, I had this huge inner struggle. And... And my Yetzir told one, and I went over to this person and I said, Happy Hanukkah. It was Hanukkah. I said, did you put on film today? And he said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, all right. So we put on film. It doesn't mean our relationship became fantastic. But for a change, I did the right thing. That's what Rabbeinu Bachari is speaking about here. I'm not any better at this than you are. We can you know, gloat about our small victories amidst our big failures. But that's really what he means. It's not about turning the cheek. It's about trying to do what's good for that person spiritually. And if that person had a flat tire, you have an obligation to pull over and help them. Just like the Torah says, you see his donkey crouching under a load and he's your enemy. Ozef Tazvi, you got to help him out. That's a mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, and that's exactly what Rabbeinu Bachaya is about to invoke. So, this is the Neda Bakayish's read on it. It is not everybody's read on it.
Instead, we have, for example, the other Mepharshim who approached the idea of Yiftach Ba'alekim Ba'atzalosei, trusting God to save you from him. So the Tevel says, you, you shouldn't be the cause of harm to them. And harm doesn't only mean physical harm. Harm can mean emotional harm. Sometimes your neglect causes harm. That's not cool. It's not right. We have to be careful about that. The Paslechem is pretty explicit here. He says there are some people who abuse their family. Sad. He says, They are burdensome. They place a heavy burden. It's a form of abuse. It doesn't mean they verbally abuse. They certainly don't physically abuse, but they place a burden. They make demands, unreasonable demands on their spouses or children. And that could be damaging. Don't do it. I heard an interesting vert once. It said in the first chapter of the Shema, we say, You should love Hashem your God. You should love God with all your heart all your soul with all your means and this is understood to be Mesirat Nefesh to be ready if need be to pay even the ultimate price the second chapter of the Shema starts off doesn't speak about noidichem. doesn't speak about all your means. It doesn't refer to Mesirat Nefesh. So I heard this wise adage. Somebody said, when it comes to Mesirat Nefesh, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to being ready to put your own values and your own needs, and your own desires on the side, he says, you can demand Mesirat Nefesh from yourself. You can't demand Mesiris Nefesh from others. The second chapter of Shema is plural. So when it's a plural thing, you can't demand that your family or circle have Mesiris Nefesh. You can inspire them. But you can't demand it. You can demand of yourself. It's a very important idea. And we have to know that sometimes the words we say will be injurious. Sometimes ignoring needs will be an act, if not commission, but an act of omission which causes injury. You have to be mindful of this. And he uses the expression, restrain your hand, but it's not necessarily a hand. So what should your focus be? Your focus should be, says Rabbeinu Bechaya, the Yisavei Then you should do whatever you can. Engage in the means 
that will bring about and you should be loyal and trustworthy to them in all affairs, in all matters. You should, if you will, the idea of means to, from the term instruct or teach or guide. The God version he translates as teach them. Teach them in a manner of ways. Whatever is beneficial. What's beneficial both in Torah or spiritual matters as well as in worldly matters. You've got to be dependable. Dependable in this area. Now, of course, if you're doing what is right, you're a reliable provider. You're there for your loved ones and for your friends. Sometimes people are deeply offended when their friends aren't there for them. I remember years ago going through a difficult situation and a person I considered to be a good friend never picked up a phone. And years later, they were having a very hard time themselves and I picked up a phone. And I said, I want you to know that I mean, I, I began with an apology. I said, I don't, mean, I don't mean to mix into your business. I just, I happen to hear that you're dealing with a difficult time. But I'm still offended, I said, that you didn't do that for me. And because I felt, and the person didn't mean anything bad. He said, well, I, I, I didn't realize. And yeah, you didn't realize it was a, I said, I, I know. But I know what it feels like. And I know what it is to go through a difficult time. And I'm going through a difficult, I went through a difficult time. You weren't there. And I felt it. So I don't, I don't want you to feel that I'm not there for you. And if, and if this is inappropriate, and if I'm meddling, and if I'm invading your life, please forgive me. I'll back right out. It turns out that this person was not offended or unhappy. On the contrary, it was, was, was the right thing to do. So, so this is the kind of thing we have to try to do. I'm not telling you this to pat myself on the back. I, I make far more mistakes than doing the right thing. But the, I'm just using this as an illustration. We have a responsibility to try and be dependable and to be there for others. You know, a person says, I'm always there for others. Who's going to be there for me? You trust in Hashem. Your job is not to trust in others or have expectation of others. This is not tit for tat, as Ibn Mechai will soon tell us. And the interesting thing is that when, when you do for others, you end up doing for yourself. You end up feeling edified by it. It's not why you should do it. You should do the right thing because it's right. And the Ben Abachaya surprisingly evokes a verse, a famous verse in the Torah, Leviticus 19, verse 18, Kamesha Kosov, as it is written, be ahafta l're'acha kamocha. Just as you expect people to be there for you, be there for them. What if they're not going to be there for me? That's not your business. Your business is to be loving towards them. And what about restraining myself from doing the bad things? Va'omar says, Don't hate, detest your brother, proverbially speaking, in your heart. You have a hatred and animosity and acrimony inside you. Invariably, it will express itself. 
don't. And by the way, that means to deal with it. If you have an issue with somebody, talk it out. Don't keep it in your heart. Don't keep a grudge. Deal with it or push it out. And you should do this for others, not because, well, if I do for others, they'll do for me. Not because you're awaiting some kind of payback. Not because, well, I'll pay it forward. And then they'll be indebted to me. I better be good because if I'm good then they'll praise me and they'll honor me. This one ridiculous person told me, he says, be nice to your children, they're going to they're gonna choose your old age home or something ridiculous like that. that. That's not why we're good to our children. I have a question. Raise the audio level. Andrew, I can't. I'm sorry. But Michal Dovin, with his toolbox, he maybe can. We have these problems sometimes. I my apologies. And Anne says, So Anne, here's the thing. You know, you talk about having your adversary's best interest. In the end, it's all about Hashem's best interest. Like, we're, we're, we have to be selfless about this. We have to, we have to do what we're doing as the Chai is about to say now, he started not because you want to exert authority or any kind of dominion over others. Look at it as a mitzvah. I'm trying to fulfill the will of Hashem now. To keep his covenant. And his instructions. That's what I'm trying to do. So what happens when I want to eat something, but it's not kosher? I don't eat it. But it smells so good, and I'm so hungry, so I don't eat it. Why? Because I believe that Hashem doesn't want me to eat that. <laughs> so what happens when that person did all those things to me? I want to get back at them. Don't do it. Why? Because they deserve to be treated that way. Do you know what they did to me? Because Hashem asks it of you. See every relationship as a mechanism, as a, as a convention, an opportunity through which you are connecting to Hashem Yisbarach. Just the way you view a Shabbat candle or a pair of tefillin, a mezuzah or an act of placing something in a tzedakah box. Sometimes people have an easier time putting a coin in a box than giving it to a person they don't like. Assuming that the need is valid and it's the right thing to do. See it as an act of Avedis Hashem. We're all in this together, my friends. The good news is I'm, I'm, I'm not a tzaddik in any way, shape, or form. I'm just like you. Sometimes I do the right thing and I chafe internally. And I know that these people will not appreciate what I'm doing. So, it's still the right thing to do. Don't do it to get accolades, praise, thank you. Do it because it's an act of avoidas Hashem. We are avde Hashem. We are here to serve God. And in the same way we view mitzvot ben Adam lavakom, the mitzvot that govern our relationship with God, the things that make up the currency of our relationship with God. In the same way we view that as a sacred pursuit, in the same way the mitzvot ben adam lechavero, the things, the obligations in matters concerning friends or social circles, 
be it positive or sometimes, as we said, adversarial, it's my ban to Hashem. The Paslechem beautifully illustrates the fact that the Rebbeinu Bachaya says three things he says. I'm trying to fulfill the instructions, the commandment they got from God. I'm trying to guard or to watch, so to speak, his covenant. It's a separate thing, he says. And then, his directive regarding them. And he says like this. Lekayim mitzvah sabayra says the paslechem peirat sholish chalukoi sabayinu b'chaye here has divided things in triplicate. Al hatov elohem doing good for others. Shuhu chayov things you're obligated to do that Torah obligates you. You do that. Why does that person deserve it? Did he do it for me? Lekayim mitzvah sabayra I'm doing a mitzvah now. Do it for Hashem. And then he said, don't harm them. Don't harm them. That's your covenant with God. You have a bond with God. You're not going to harm them. How do I know that, says the Paslacham? How do I know that's what Rabbeinu B'chayim meant here in Shara B'tochem? So he says, this is phenomenal, he says there are a number of verses in the Torah that speak about this idea of restraining oneself from harming another and each time the word covenant or brit shows up. He says, Iker hanachat milat brit. The term covenant is al shlilat hahezek. For example, brit noach. God's covenant to noach. Hashem says to noach, I won't bring another flood. It's my covenant. He's restraining himself, so to speak. How about the covenant that Laban and Jacob struck. Brit Lavan and Yaakov, what they say? Genesis 31, it says, Im yavor echad al They set up this pile of stones. They hurled the stones. They made a monument. They said, this is going to be our point of demarcation. We don't pass this point to harm. We can go past this point to turn a profit, to do something good, but no harm. It's a non-aggression pact. How about the Brit of Avimelech with Yitzchak? Genesis 26, he says, Im imonu If you will do evil to us. So this is the idea of a Brit. See, our covenant is, when people make a covenant, they say, right now we're, we're, we're great friends and we have a beautiful relationship, but suppose that sours. We're making a deal. We have a pact. And the non-aggression pact is we're not going to do anything bad. We may not help each other, we may not beat it, but we're not going to harm each other. He says, you saw a person do these bad things to you, you want to strike out, or maybe you mindlessly want to do things that might hurt other people. You have a pact with Hashem. Hashem says, we don't do that. That's your bond. And lastly, he says, pikudov. Pikudov means directives, instructions. He says, this is how Hashem remembered us, which is the meaning of lifkod, to remember. And this is how Hashem chose to make us privileged. He told us that we are privileged to teach others and obligated to do so. 
This includes the idea of not being ambivalent to people doing the wrong thing, but feeling a sense of responsibility to speak up when you can be effective, when you can actually bring about a positive change. Don't say, hear no evil, see no evil. It's not my problem. You are your brother's keeper. We are responsible to others. And the idea of hocher tochiach, or ve'es b'neihem yilamedun. You have a responsibility to the next generation to teach them, to show them. And so it is. And that, my dear friends, is how we deal with our social circle. The whole gamut of it. If you want to simplify it, it's all about God. All our relationships, it's all about God. And we have obligations and responsibilities. And ultimately, those are privileges. We should use them well. We should appreciate the gift of life, friendship, and love that Hashem has given us. And utilize it to uplift ourselves and others and to make our world the godly, goodly place it will surely soon be with the coming of Mashiach. Bimheira ubi amenu amen. Thank you for joining today. Please be back next week as we continue our betachen journey, learning how we can all live with a sense of tranquility, peace, and certainty. Because this is what betachen can afford each of us. When you have that, you have that proper perspective, you have the betachen view on things, anything is possible. Besimcha ubetuv livov. Again, thanks for joining. And may we merit to continue to hear and share good news, words of Torah, uplift each other, and meet in the third base Hamigdash with the coming of Mashiach, Bemheira, will be Amenu Amen. Thank you again.